She's so wise that owls call her for career advice. Author of the Social Justice Warrior Handbook, Lisa De Pasquale. And what's going on, everybody? Welcome on into the Check Your Brain podcast. If you're watching on Rumble, YouTube, or, well, for now, before eventually we'll get uh, listening to some of the content we'll get into in this podcast, uh, probably won't be on YouTube for very long. But if you are on YouTube, that is my podcast logo there, the Check Your Brain podcast. I do appreciate you folks for watching this podcast. It's also an audio podcast as well, wherever you get your podcast. I got to stop saying podcast at the beginning, but it is the Check Your Brain podcast, and my name is Tony Mazer. Hi, everybody. Welcome aboard. I appreciate you folks for uh, listening and hopefully subscribing. I am on Patreon at patreon.com slash Tony Mazer. If you want upwards of 20 to 25 podcasts a month, go there, check it out for as little as three bucks a month. But if you don't feel like spending your money on me or checking out any other subscriptions, you should go over to Substack. But not my Substack. I am not on Substack. I should be. <laughs> because I have a bunch of stuff I would like to get off my chest right now. But uh, uh, go to Substack and go check this out. She is my guest. It's Lisa Di Pasquale. And I, I really appreciate you being on here because I've been following you for a number of years and watched you on Gutfeld show, other Fox News shows, heard you on a bunch of podcasts. And uh, I, I really do appreciate you being on here with me. Oh, well, thanks for having me. And kudos to you because we didn't go over name pronunciation and you got it exactly right. Well, yeah, I mean, look, I, I've gone to Chuck E. Cheese back in the day, and I remember Pasquale is one of the... Uh, oh, my gosh, you made my day. Every time I try to tell people why Chuck E. Cheese is better than, like, Showbiz or Showtime pizza, I say, well, they have Pasquale. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Do, do you remember that during COVID a couple of years ago that Chuck E. Cheese was trying to do the ghost kitchen, and they were putting out their pizza as Pasquale's Pizza and Wings? on maybe like DoorDash or Grubhub or one of these uh, these or Uber Eats or something. It was like a ghost kitchen. So people go like, hey, I've never seen this Pasquale's place. And you get it. And you're like, oh, it's the garbage pizza they sell at Chuck E. Cheese when I was back in the 80s. Good for them. <laughs> but uh, that is your Substack, Get Bright. Go check it out at Get Bright. And uh, of course, we'll talk about some of the books that you have. But uh, um Let's talk about let's get into it, because uh, it's been, what, six years since the uh, Social Justice Warrior Handbook came out. And uh, it seems to me that in those six years, you probably need six more chapters because of all the insanity that's going on right now. Yeah, well, and also, like, I made up a ton of things like, oh, this will be funny and crazy that have, you know, since come true. <laughs> yeah, so uh, one of the big things that... Uh, we've experienced since 2017, since the book came out and seeing you on all these podcasts. And, you know, I, I read the book years ago. I wish I, I mean, I read an ebooks. So I don't have it, the, the physical copy in front of me, but it was, it was poignant. It's funny, but it, it got the point across. Mm -hmm. But then over time, cause that was right around the Ben Shapiro days where it's like Ben Shapiro owns the college student, mm -hmm. Ben Shapiro owns a millennial. And now those millennials are now in their 30s and now they're making decisions with their money and everything. Now we have the Zoomer generation. And it seems like this is a new crop of people that I think could be a lot of additions for another book or a you know a sequel to that book because there's mm -hmm. they have their own quirks. Well, I guess in your research and what you've been writing about, what are some of those stark differences from the millennials to the Zoomers now and just yeah. trying to communicate with them? I mean, I think like as the generations have, you know, I'm Gen X um, and, you know, the millennials had some 
need for independence. And I've just been really surprised about Gen Z having like no interest in leaving the house, getting their driver's license, that sort of thing. And on their own, that doesn't matter that much, except for it's prolonging the need for independence. And as easy it would be to, um, you know, say Gen Z is the worst generation, I would have to say their parents are <laughs> the worst generation um and that includes gen x and you know millennials and like like to me when i was 16 like not only was it a requirement to get a job um you know like that first job that every every you know kid gets um i wanted to because that meant my own money in my pocket that meant a reason to leave the house and drive every day it meant my own car um and uh Gen Z just seems to have no desire to want to do that. I mean, they're not trying to get their driver's license. And you have to think that's because parents are giving them a much, as much money as they want or or need for, you know, their wants, um, taking them where they need to go. Um, or I heard the other day, like, you can get, like, or I got, like, a notification on um, Uber Eats, like, Uber Teen. Like, you can set up an Uber account for your teenager. Okay, so they can go <laughs> everywhere or they can oh, – because I, I remember hearing about this in schools that there were schools that were banning Uber Eats from being in the – you know, you go to the cafeteria, you get the terrible pizza and the, mm -hmm. you know, the fiestadas or whatever we were getting back in the day <laughs> and uh, the cartons of milk. And you're like, yeah, you know what? I could probably go for some uh, – what about Arby's? Arby's sell good <laughs> to you? And these kids are getting it delivered to the school and you have the Uber Eats drivers like – uh, looking for an Aiden. I mean, find us, <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, no, no more Uber Eats." But that's that's mm -hmm. crazy. What's going on now? And these kids don't have that ambition. I hate saying that because I'm a millennial myself in my generation. I can go forever on talking about them, but mm -hmm. it, it it really did start with these Zoomers, where there's not a lot of ambition right now. That's mm -hmm. why COVID wasn't as big of a deal as it, as it would have been for when you and I were in high school. That they're like. Oh, so we get to stay home and play video games more. And mm -hmm. okay, that's fine. It's no problem. Like you said, 16, you get your driver's license. That was a little bit of freedom. It almost mm -hmm. seems like a lot of Zoomers, a large chunk, and not trying to, you know, there's probably a lot of them watching this, but uh, there's not a lot of them that have that ambition to want to get off the couch. And it's like, why do I need a car? That means then I, I have more responsibility. I don't want mm -hmm. that responsibility. Is yeah. that by design? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, the only good, good uh, Gen, Gen Zers. Or uh, they all work at Chick-fil-A, from what I can see. Oh, that's true. That's a good idea. Well, <laughs> my pleasure. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, so I, I think kind of like that's the base, that's like the baseline is not wanting that freedom and independence. And so it's like if you're dealing with the generation that doesn't want it on the most personal level, then you can see how it must filter out to other things like, you know, freely having TikTok on their phone and, you know, giving up their data um, and not really caring about, you know, lots of things like free speech and basically everything, you know, that's, that's in the news. Well, <laughs> I mean, in the same, same with pornography who's too. Never made money, who's never made money and asked that cliched question, who is FICO and why am I giving him all my money? Um, if they don't experience that until they're like 28 or 30 or, you know, whatever age they get their worthless degree. Yeah, exactly. And, and and it's like that with pornography. I've talked about it a number of times, and, I, and I'm glad the conversation's being discussed more, but 
you know, it, back in the day, back in the nineties, and you know, find the the the, the Playboy and your you know under your dad's uh, <laughs> in a sock drawer or whatever that thing. But now the kids have that opportunity, and I hate saying kids because I'm mm-hmm. talking about teenagers, and I don't want to say I'm promoting this for other generations. But mm-hmm. the fact that within two swipes of a thumb you can have Pornhub on your phone. And I'm concerned about the 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 men that you know the 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 either they go a couple of different ways, and that's why I think the Andrew Tate and the Jordan Peterson stuff took mm-hmm. off because it didn't seem like there's a lot of direction. And these these teenagers are saying, well, why why go out on a date with a girl who's like, no, she's mid, she's she's a five, she's not really that, but but I can find tens on my phone all day. It's like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, there you don't have a meaningful relationship with uh, with two porn stars on Pornhub. Mm-hmm. How about you have a meaningful relationship with the girl you're in calculus with? And I, I'm I'm concerned what that's going to be because we only have a small sample size of mm-hmm. what that can be leading up into future generations. Yeah. And I mean, to be clear, the girls hold a lot of the responsibility um, for boys that have, you know, this attitude. I mean, whether it's, you know, what they've experienced with their parents getting a divorce and, you know, moms making claims and dads making claims. Uh, and then girls kind of being afraid from like feminist Me Too movement, afraid of, you know, what girls could say, um, you know, down to, you know, helicopter parents and them putting off being rejected, whether it's by girls or by a teacher and, you know, all that, all that type of thing. Um, you know, I was actually just talking to someone about uh, this like TikTok video that's going around about how to respond to guys that want to go Dutch on a date. And I actually thought the girl had like a good response to it. But, um, you know, the whole 50-50, that's like a feminist thing. Like, well, don't you want to be equals, um, you know, regardless of whether it's like about chivalry. But uh, the girl actually had a good <laughs> a good response, um, you know, or at least an amusing response. If a guy was like, let's go 50-50, the girl should be like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I thought this was a date. I didn't know you just want to be friends. <laughs> that was a good response, even if, uh, you know, the feminists are the ones that kind of have, were the first ones to really spo- spoiling dating culture. <laughs> I, I want to ask you about feminism because I, I had that in my notes because I think a lot of you know, we, it, it it took on that like Rush Limbaugh kind of boomer feeling of like, oh, you know, the feminazis are back again. And it mm-hmm. it kind of became a punchline for a little bit. And you're like, ah, feminism, what, first wave, second wave, third wave, bra burning, mm-hmm. uh, Gloria Stein on that kind of stuff. But it you're starting to really see the the uh, the the roots start to take hold and they're blossoming right now. But it's it's kind of getting a lot of dead fruit. And mm-hmm. it, it seems to me that feminism is what helped cause a lot of the the issues that we're seeing right now, especially in in the trans movement that we're seeing now, that it's like, you know, why can't women be in men's sports? And it's like, well, I think we're seeing it play out in real time right now. And when you're seeing these, you know, large biological men who are identifying as women playing field hockey and knocking a, a puck into the face up in we saw last week in Massachusetts mm-hmm. to Leah Thomas to um, Fallon Fox and other UFC fighters. And I, 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 me personally, I don't like seeing women getting bruised by somebody mm-hmm. who is a biological man. That's just me. That's just my <laughs> thing. And uh, what, what bothers me is I don't hear enough of the feminists speaking up. Are they afraid of being called TERFs? Are mm-hmm. they afraid that they're going to lose everything right now? I mean, you would think that if your goal is to protect women 
And now you're seeing this, especially when it comes to sports, but also in other areas and other factors. Wouldn't you think more feminists want to be pro-women or are they just afraid that they're going to be thrown out of their intersectional uh, uh, dinner parties and Christmas mm-hmm. parties? Yeah. I mean, if you look at like someone like J.K. Rowling, I mean, who's uncancelable, but, you know, is getting like a ton of heat. But I mean, I, I kind of feel like you really have no credibility as a feminist if you don't speak up for the basic issue when it comes to women in sports, um, because that was also, you know, they were big on Title 10. I mean, when I first got into politics in 1999, working in D.C., I mean, that was like a big issue um, because they were getting rid of football teams because there's not a female equivalent to a football team. So if there's not, you know, equal funding, then you get rid of the football team. Um, you know, anytime a school tried to challenge that. So, I mean, they're taking, you know, something like women's sports and like getting rid of women. Um, this is an issue perfect for them. And the ones that, you know, are silent um, are just crazy. I mean, then now we're kind of faced with, you know, Caitlyn Jenner really being the best true feminist. <laughs> True. I mean, it's it, it's sad because I start to see this, and, and now the when it comes to, and uh, I'm gonna this will probably get flagged. It doesn't doesn't matter to me. I'm more free speech. I don't care about YouTube views or anything. But the what we're seeing, you mentioned we were talking about boys in high school, like teenage boys, and they're either going to porn, Marvel movies, or they go the opposite way and they listen to what Andrew Tate has to say. Uh-huh. But then the direction for women now, and you're seeing these reports that that would they say one in five or even one in four teenage girls are identifying as something queer, like LGBT. Uh-huh. And the problem with a phase like goth when we were kids was goth was you painted your fingernails, you wore fishnet stocking, you got a uh, a, a tattoo of Jack Skellington on your lower and that's back. That's just what or you did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but like all of that was, but there wasn't the real world consequences that we mm-hmm. were seeing. Now this is the problem: is we are now saying we are affirming your gender. Now you're taking certain things. Other. Uh, it, there are some things that are phases, but when you have a phase that has real world consequences, that's what I'm very concerned with. And again, another one where I don't hear enough of these quote unquote radical feminists speaking up about it. They're staying very mum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is looking for a connection because a lot of them are, you know, missing a connection and that's like a built-in community. Um, you know, this tr- trans or other community, something that's not, you know, the the tip on the typical spectrum um and then on top of that is we have really incentivized and monetized victimhood and to be able to make yourself part of that um you know has value and you, like i said you can't really like part of me does struggle with blaming gen z because the generations older than them have created this world um you know that values being in another group that values um you know, you can't just say what your accomplishments are. Uh, you know, it, it used to be that, you know, it was more of like a talented Mr. Ripley world where you lied and said you came from a better background. And now, you know, it's the opposite. I mean, you hear, you know, congressmen talking about how poor they were and, you know, how bad they have it. And now everyone, you know, a lot of these kids are basically white, middle class, privileged kids, and they have to find something else that, you know, make them a victim. You can't just be a boring white person anymore. Yeah, no, there's there's no uh, community for that. 
It's it's incredible. I mean, my uh, I've mentioned my generation. I'm 35, so I'm a millennial. I'm like the I, I'm one of the early millennials that remembers at least going to Blockbuster and dial up internet, mm-hmm. uh, and didn't have smartphones in high school. Thank God. But uh, it, it what bothers me about my generation is it, it kind of started this madness of we're looking for answers, but we're looking in the wrong direction where my generation was the Harry Potter generation. It just seems Mm -hmm. that a lot of the women they're like, I'm not going, I'm not going to church anymore, but I believe in the, the church of, uh, you know, Hufflepuff or whatever. (laughs) And, uh, or, and then the Marvel movies. I I remember when the first Spider-Man came out in 2002 and I was, I was in high school and I'm looking at this going, this, this movie sucks. Yeah. It's great special effects, but there's nothing to this. There's no story. It's, I, I know Spider-Man's going to save the day at the end of it. And here we are 21 years later, still the same garbage over, in my opinion, garbage, because there's no great storyline. And we just, we don't have the rom-coms that we don't have the, the good, uh, the pulp fiction type of movies anymore. So our pop culture right now is mm-hmm. being taken up by what real housewife show are you watching? Yeah. Uh, are you caught up on all your streaming? It's like we have no it's really we are rapidly losing any sort of American culture other than, hey, have you caught up on all your Netflix shows right now? Yeah, I mean, the thing like one of the things that we talk like talk about on my podcast. Um, what is that pop, podcast, by the way? Uh, pop Culture Warriors. Um, it's kind of like in addition to just, you know, reacting to the things that, that you brought up, but also talking about like the bright spots and um, like Cobra Kai. I don't know if you've watched that show. Oh, yeah. um, so like, that's a bright spot. Um, and, you know, I think it's important to still highlight the the good things. Um, and I almost wonder, like, like when you're mentioning the binging and the, this caught up on series, um, you know, like back in my day, we had to wait till the next week to see like what happened. You didn't have that week in between in between to like ruminate and, you know, just having everything at your fingertips, being able to watch it all at once. Um, you don't have that like thinking time, you know, in between. Yeah, you, exactly. should have my, you should have my co-host on uh, at some point. He uh, was an artist for, I think, 25, 26 years for Marvel and DC comics. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was. um uh, what's his name? I just heard him on a podcast recently. Uh, Brett Smith. Yes, yes. I, I I was I was listening to him. Yeah, I'll definitely uh, reach out to him. I'd love to have him. Uh, and and yeah, agree with you about the storyline part. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I mean I again I would love to just love like to see like a good movie instead. It's mm-hmm. no, it's uh, it's Star Wars, it's Marvel, or it's Pixar, <laughs> and. Yeah. Uh, because I think that also plays a, a role when it comes to music as well in our culture. And if everything is so Taylor Swift, Beyonce, or anything that's on TikTok, what happened in the days of rock? I mean, I'm a few miles away from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame mm-hmm. here in Cleveland, and we had the Rock Hall event over the weekend in uh, at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, and uh, there was no rock. I mean, there mm-hmm. was Rage Against the Machine, but everything else was Missy Elliott, and mm-hmm. it's not it's not there. And uh, that's what I'm kind of concerned about, because when I look at for Zoomers, at least we remember what it was like going to the Camelot music, the Sam Goody, the Mm -hmm. coconuts, the peaches. And we waited for uh, on Tuesday. The new releases were coming out. And now you can get music that somebody puts it out and it's free. And Mm -hmm. or or you can go to Spotify. You get a a limited trial for like 10 bucks a month or YouTube music for 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. And the days of so what happens when you get things either dirt cheap or free, you stop appreciating it. So when it comes to art, 
I, I'm concerned our future generations are not really going to take it, um, it, it, not take the art seriously and just completely take it for granted. Yeah. And I mean, the other part of that is, you know, if there's a large group of people, you know, say people on the right, conservatives, Republicans, whatever they, you know, whatever you want to call yourself. Non-leftists. Non-leptists who have saying, I'm I, I'm opting, opting out, everything's garbage, I don't watch TV, I don't buy music. It's like, well, don't blame them if they don't make anything for you. You True. know? <laughs> make it yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How, how long did they say, well, you don't like Twitter? Make your own Twitter. And then they did. Well, and then they shut, shut down Parler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to ask you about, about that next. Um, Twitter now versus Twitter, say, two, three years ago. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's night and day, the difference. And it's not because there's more racism, that there's mm -hmm. more homophobia or anti-Semitism or anything. It's people are having conversations again, that there's character limits uh, that you can completely exceed, especially if you're a blue check like we are. Um, <laughs> you can do, but we can have these more dissident conversations that we weren't able to have a couple of years ago, because if you said something like, say, for example, a, a certain thing you put over your face uh, that never actually stopped a, a virus didn't mm -hmm. actually work or something you were going to put in your arm with a needle that didn't have the results that a lot of people expected you could have been thrown off of these big tech platforms not saying it still can't happen but out of all of them facebook instagram youtube they're still kind of on one end twitter slash x whatever they want to call it now <laughs> i'm still going to call it twitter it's it's a much different place now. And I, I think it's for the better. I think Elon saved it from really just completely turning into absolute state government propaganda like it was for, you know, the past couple of years. Yeah. And, you know, they keep trying to the media keeps trying to, you know, own him on what it's worth now versus what he paid for it. And he has repeatedly said, you know, he didn't buy it as an investment. Um and, you know, it's someone who has enough money and he's not a, a conservative. He might be based, but, um, you know, someone that makes that much money from subsidies. And it's funny, I wrote an article many, many years ago, like saying it was something, it was a play on his last name, which I'm surprised it doesn't happen more, but it was something like, I don't like the smell of this Musk deal or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, solar panels, EV, all that kind of stuff, um, you know, it's all highly subsidized, but, you know, he gets a, a pass on that, which is fine. Um, cause I think at the end of the day, he's probably done more for free speech than, than anyone else. Um, certainly than say the ACLU. Um, but you know, I think they're also in most people's minds, there's still that kernel of, especially if you're, you know, Xing under your own name. Um, you know, what if I'm screenshot? What if I have a day job, that kind of thing. Well, and that leads me to my next topic, which is probably the biggest topic going on right now, but I, I not necessarily Israel, Palestine, all that going on. It's the response to it. Mm -hmm. And those who are on social media, either pro-Palestine or pro-Israel, uh, because they're starting to get to a point where they're like, uh, so I posted something like from the river to the sea on my Facebook page, and uh, I just got fired today. What, mm -hmm. what the heck? Like, what's going on here? Uh, this is cancel culture. This is McCarthyism. And I'm just like, you made the rules. <laughs> yeah, you, you made your bed. You sleep in it. You you mm -hmm. said anybody who had a dissenting opinion on certain elections or certain again certain viruses and lockdowns and mandates and certain this and certain that over the couple of years should be banished from all society. The Overton window is shut. You're completely outside of it now. 
this is a strange wedge issue. A little bit for conservatives because there's a little bit more of like the neocon pro-Israel, and then you have more of the um, you know, the Scott Hortons of the world, the anti-war. So there's a little bit that goes on kind of on the more libertarian to conservative circles, but it's not as big as what's happening on the left side. And mm -hmm. they're kind of drinking or taking their own medicine right now. Mm -hmm. And they are uh, like, what have you seen from your perspective? Is this uh, an example? Like, how do you feel about it? Is this a true example of cancel culture? Do you think that uh, they set the rules, uh, they set the standards, and they have to abide by them? Or mm -hmm. what can we do here? What 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 are what is your take? Yeah, I mean, like, I part of me is, you know, yeah, you shouldn't be fired for, uh, you know, the views you hold. Something that ha I have have experienced in my life, um, you know, in the conservative movement. But, uh, you know, it's kind of like with the lawfare and, you know, going after Trump um, the way that they are, uh, they, you know, made these rules. We've had to live under these rules. Um, so, you know, what's, what's good for the goose? <laughs> um, but I also, you know, I love seeing the infighting among Democrats because they don't know what to do. Um, because in the past, they've always been really good about, you know, the pro-life Democrats not really getting the same platform and they kind of know their place. Um, in this case, the pro-Hamas uh, Democrats kind of don't know their place in the party. And it is a, a minority because it's a minority of Americans and a minority of people, um, but it is a minority in the Democrats and they don't seem to know their place that they're not supposed to be, you know, shouting this from the rooftops and you'll love to see it. <laughs> it's, it's amazing because it, it's such a wedge issue for them. The way they look, at, I think a, your normal leftist to your college leftist to, I think anybody who, again, who kind of is in more of like the Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders area, is they look at what's happening and they see the skin color, of course, and they go, well, Palestinians are a little bit darker skin than the uh, than, than the Israelis, the Jewish people. So therefore, it seems like the Jewish people are more the oppressors over the Palestinians and this and this. But they're afraid of going on social media and because they're like, oh, what, oh, what, I can't say anything politically or socially on here. I'm like, well, um, you said I wasn't allowed to, so it doesn't seem like you should be able to if we're going to play the same rules here. Mm -hmm. But uh, what what Democrats are going through it, and this is a, a, a big wake up call for a lot of these donors at colleges that were people who are uh, a Jewish. Uh, and like kind of more Democrat, they didn't like Donald Trump, they didn't like, uh, you know, Mitt Romney or anything. And they realized the people that they had been funding and supporting are the ones turning on them and calling for their own literal genocide. And they're like, what the hell is going on right now? And it's a it's it's fascinating to see this in person. Obviously, it's very dangerous what's going on. But as a a, a pundit, as a comedian, as a podcaster, you look at it from this scope and you're saying, I, I never thought it would get to this point like this quickly that mm -hmm. now the left has to defend their own cancel culture mobs. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's happening so fast. I mean, over the weekend in DC, um, you know, I posted on my Substack, um, getright.substack.com, <laughs> which you won't see on Twitter. I, I, Elon needs to still do something about the shadow banning of Substack. I get his point, but uh, help a girl out. Um, but long live the into Bada, you know, there's a, like a literal insurrection where <laughs> they're hanging an opposing uh, enemy or opposing enemy, an enemy's flag on the White House gates. The Secret Service is doing nothing. Um, and this also happened uh, 
you know, at the Capitol and at uh, the Cannon Building, where it was like the legal definition of an insurrection. And, you know, the media is totally silent. And this is against their guy. You know, we're not talking about Trump in the White House. This is their guy in the White House, them smearing red paint on the walls. Yeah, this is well, I, I've noticed that there's a lot of happy talk that's been going on the last couple of years. Of of course, about a year and a half ago, gas prices were five, six, seven dollars a gallon. And all we kept hearing about was, yeah, but the economy is actually roaring better than ever. And mm -hmm. the way they're looking at it in the White House, the Biden White House, is that they're just going to happy talk their way up until the next election. Mm -hmm. Don't believe your lying eyes. Oh, yeah. Oh, what was it? The Paul Krugman report a couple of weeks ago. He says, well, if you take out food and energy and use cars and this and that, the economy is actually roared back. Like, yeah. oh, so you mean the 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 essentials are, yeah. <laughs> well, let's take those away. And because you want something else, oh, it means the economy is back. But yeah. Have you seen the price of Russian caviar? It's dropped big time. Well, you know what? Uh, look, <laughs> I, I'm a little bit of a snob because I have those little bone uh, spoons there. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it, it's it's incredible, and we're we're seeing that now. And we what we've seen is we're going to wrap up 2023 here in the next little over a uh, little under two months. Some of the top stories of the year should have been huge stories, and if it was Donald Trump in the office. It would have been massive stories. And I think the two mm -hmm. biggest stories of the year have been, well, outside of this, but internally in, in America have been East Palestine, Ohio, which is about an hour or so away from me, and Maui. And mm -hmm. you don't hear about either one of them because in Maui, it was a Democrat governor, Democrat mayor, Democrat politicians, Democrat president. And you've had upwards of over a thousand people that were killed and their homes completely taken over, displaced. And it's nothing. It just goes mm -hmm. away. And East Palestine was, yeah, there was a little bit of a blowback and Trump uh, bought McDonald's and then Mayor Pete mm -hmm. came there the next day and everything was great. It, there are people still there who can't drink their own water. Mm -hmm. um, there, I, I, I happen to know somebody, I talked to somebody recently who is a construction guy whose job it, it is to dig up the contaminated dirt in East Palestine, Ohio transfer it somewhere else and burn it into the sky. That's something that's going on. And yeah, we're the environmentalists. <laughs> no, we're the environmentalists. No, where are any of them? And mm -hmm. it really is the White House is in conjunction with corporate media to suppress a lot of these stories, just like what, what we're seeing over the weekend. How, how do you have on the White House lawn where they're putting fake blood all over the gates of the White House, there's 300 to almost a million people, 300,000 to almost a million people at D.C. over the weekend carrying swastikas. Mm -hmm. Now, I heard a couple of years ago, if anybody at a Trump rally, even if it was a Fed, if it was Patriot Front that had a swastika or any Nazi thing, that meant the whole everybody is culpable, everybody's responsible, and everybody's a Nazi. Well, mm -hmm. how is it that this wasn't a million Nazi march over the weekend? It's because corporate media said, mm -mm, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. We, we got focus on Trump is in court. Yeah. I mean, and these are people that will happily take, uh, you know, the views, not say, oh, I didn't even know they were there. I mean, these are people like, yeah, that's what I believe. And still, they're not what they say they are, if you listen to uh, you know, the media and how they they want to couch it if they even, you know, talk about it. I mean, I think part of it is that they don't know how to respond because they have been kind of drinking their own Kool-Aid for so long. I mean, 
you talked about Maui and, you know, Oprah saying, well, I, I don't understand. I offered a, a million dollars or whatever she said she was going to give. And I got all this blowback. You know, they they're just so out of touch at this point. They've so isolated themselves, um, whether it's like news sources or just their community um, that. I think they just don't like the democratization of a response. You know what I mean? So it used to be like the only thing anybody could talk about when it came to an Oprah response was what People Magazine told them was the correct response. And now people can get on on X and get on Facebook and wherever else, um, you know, make reaction videos on TikTok and Instagram uh, and, you know, have an opinion that can't be, um, you know, a PR coordinated, you know, response from Oprah's team. Do you think in the next year, as we're right around this time, as a, as a year from now, that the mm -hmm. election in 2024, do you think we're going to have another big tech crackdown? You know, I mean, I don't know what the 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 crackdown will be. Because um, I also think like there's also a minority of people, you know, on um, Twitter. I think probably we'll see it on Facebook because that's like, the the place where you know people grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles you know see photos and remember birthdays and that sort of thing um and i think it's still a minority of people that are on on twitter um and you know other other things um it won't work as well though i think because of twitter files um you know thanks to elon i think people kind of know that um i think that uh you know, a lot of the social media companies that think they're doing themselves and Democrats a favor by having warnings, content warnings, sensitive warnings, um, are really just saying, look at this. Um, here's something that's probably true. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, the, you know, back in the, the 90s, um, you know, the warning explicit lyrics label ended up being like, it wasn't cool if the album didn't have that. Yeah, thanks. Um, thanks, Tipper Gore. Yeah, exactly. A Democrat-led uh, uh, senator, sen senators' wives that were bored. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. You know, a year's not that far out. So, I mean, I'm still an old, so I'm kind of like, well, what will the kids be doing? Because, I mean, I saw something the other day say, like, TikTok's not cool anymore with the kids. Yeah, um, what's the next thing going to be? <laughs> we're going backwards. We're getting we're all getting Zanga accounts again. In yeah, MySpace. exactly. <laughs> So, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't know uh, what the thing will be. Maybe it'll be, you know, uh, the video gaming world, like, um, you know, kids connecting there. And um, I don't know if there's like a, it's not Sims, but there's something like Sims that someone had told me about and not meta, um, but something, you know, like that. Um, but yeah, I think we'll probably still see it on, um, on Facebook, and then as far as you know, X and stuff. Um, I mean, you like there. It was announced this week, or not announced, but reported last week that um, like Hollywood studios have accounts to respond to like bad reviews of things. This is not new. When I worked in politics, we had that too. Um, so I don't know if they're going to up that. I mean, certainly with AI, I think you can do it in a better way than um, you know. Biden fan one two three four five six seven. Um, you know they can come up with personalities and all that kind of thing. So I don't know. Maybe every, now I'm kind of like talking myself into what the answer is. Maybe it is the AI 
part where you'll start to see, uh, you know, that that sort of thing, whether it's in, you know, customer service or, um, you know, in your um, social media and, you know, other sort of research. Uh, I guess Google, if that counts, certainly people like the, people are like, you know, do your own research. It's like, but can you? <laughs> Yeah, well, and it's also going to depend on the AI. I believe uh, mm-hmm. Elon announced that, was it Grok or something? Yeah. Grok? Missed opportunity if Gronk doesn't do ads for this. Yeah, exactly. He should be. And go like, what? I thought I was doing, I thought it was yeah. my thing. You know, <laughs> we, we need him and Travis Kelsey and more commercials. That's what I believe in it. One of my favorite, favorite media appearances ever, other than this one, obviously, um, was I was on Charles Payne with Gronk. Oh, really? I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to score this one. I'm going to be so smart. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he, uh, I, when I, when I used to work in media and I used to cover, um, I was in the Patriots locker room. I shouldn't say this, but I, I, I got to say, I'm, I'm a straight man. I am a married man, but <laughs> I, I, I was standing next to Gronk where he was completely nude. And I'm like, it's a good looking man right there. I to say. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, that's one if like if someone wanted to trade eyes with me, they would, you know, I make a lot of money. But anyways, yeah, stupid. well, a friend of mine, one of the co-founders of LGBT for Trump um, basically said he will never forgive me for the fact that he I got to meet Gronk at Fox News and he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Well, it, it, actually, that's a that's a good transition, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, no pun intended. Um these other groups that, because you're seeing this past week, Rashida Tlaib had an entire ad that came out against Joe Biden, someone who she endorsed just a couple of years ago, uh, that he's been too soft on Israel and protecting Zionist wars and everything. And you're starting to see a little bit of a groundswell against Joe Biden, more of the establishment Democrats. Now, a couple of years ago, as we saw with uh, James Clyburn in South Carolina, You had Bernie Sanders, you had Elizabeth Warren, you had Pete Buttigieg, you had uh, Amy Klobuchar. And then all of a sudden in one week, it's like, we are supporting Joe Biden for president. We think he's going to be the one to guide us. Mm -hmm. And they all kind of fell in lockstep. But now you're starting to see this in the last couple of years. You have the the libs of TikTok, gays against groomers. You're you're seeing uh, uh like it could be anyone from Waka Flock of Flame who's supporting Trump, and you're starting to see more people a little bit more vocal against either against Joe Biden or in favor of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Do you think, as somebody who's written and and been in politics for a while, do you think any of this is going to really move the needle, or is this by the time we get to 2024, we get to the you know august september october that we're going to get back into everybody's like either team yankees or team red Sox. yeah i mean i think probably after like at least our primaries over um i think the democrats you know at the end of the day they all will still be in lockstep whether that's you know they keep biden or you know he gracefully decides to bow out there are some people you know in that camp that truly believe newsom will be you know the nominee in 2024 um, but, you know, Kamala Harris is definitely, you know, insurance, I think when it comes to, uh, um, whether she's, or not she's like, if you got the general for insurance, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I, the thing, n- not so much, um, the, uh, 
you know, separation because conservatives also have, you know, this in them like, well, why does it have to be this for this? And I think they forget that, like, I remember a long time ago, I went to the museum, which has since closed in DC. It was like a museum of journalism and they had a bunch of campaign buttons and they had like Italian Americans for Reagan, Iranian Americans for Reagan, Irish Americans for Reagan. So it's not like this is a new phenomenon that people like to identify their group. And I think it's, you know, especially important particularly for feminists, for gays, for, you know, those types that are seeing something in the news that is the opposite of how they feel and they don't want to be, you know, paid in that light. I mean, when it comes to Italian Americans, I personally don't agree because I think the whole mafia thing makes us look really cool. Um, You know, like National Italian American Foundation, they're against the portrayal of um, non-historic mafia characters in movies. but, you know, like I said, I'm not against it. Um, <laughs> so I understand like the gays for groomers and that, you know, to me that that makes sense um, that they'll want to do it. Uh, I hope that by 2024, like we always do, you know, pro- the the, pri- the primary has always been sort of like Thunderdome and, you know, we all, you know, come together. I like DeSantis. I like Trump. I will vote for whoever uh, the nominee is. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's that's what it comes down because I've noticed that, and uh, and I know you've been on Twitter. You've probably seen this. The team DeSantis has been very, very vocal, and it's kind of turning a lot of people off because it seems like a click that's been going on. And, and I like Christina Pushaw. I like uh, Max yeah. Nordau. I I think they do good work. Um, John Cardillo. I think they're good people, but. Um, it's over the top and it's almost insulting because there's a lot of people who are, who are like, I like Ron DeSantis, but it's not his time yet. Or I Mm -hmm. like Ron DeSantis, but, uh, we have to back Trump at this point with all the indictments they're coming after him because they're coming after us and everything. And it just seems that the way a lot of the team DeSantis people are looking at it is like, are the voters stupid? We have our guy right here. And I'm like, you can't really talk down to your audience here. <laughs> it just seems that it's very, it, to me, just what I've seen, and they could disagree, but it just seems very insulting that you're attacking the people who are like, I mean, that's their choice. You, you know, uh-huh. it, it, isn't the customer always right? Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, kind of like the audacity for anyone not Trump to think they're going to be treated differently than Trump by the media and yeah. by Democratic uh you know, groups, um, to me is just like confounding. I mean, you would think DeSantis folks of anyone would know, you know, after the whole Disney stuff and how that played out, they would know that's how it works. Um, and the CRT, uh, education stuff, they would know that's how this works and it's going to be the same for you. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, the reason Trump has legal problems is to prevent him in 2024, I guarantee you somehow there'll be some legal problem for DeSantis or Vivek or uh, who else? Chris Christie. I mean, Chris Christie's already had some, Um, you know, it's going (laughs) to try to be equal, uh, you know, that they all have a fair fair chance. Nikki Haley. I mean, they're all kind of polling the same. Um, The only front runner is is Trump. So, um, you know, I don't want to anger people. I think Kurt Schlichter, uh, who is definitely team Trump, probably has the healthiest attitude. And, you know, he'll routinely throw out a a tweet that he will vote for whoever the nominee is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he's he said that he's like uh, a lot of people. It's not clear for a lot of supporters of, of both sides. 
yeah, Kurt is like, I, I would support Trump. I just don't think he's going to win. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I probably that might be the case. <laughs> We've seen strange things happen in, in recent elections. That's all mm-hmm. I'll say, YouTube. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think also the RFK Jr. movement has been fascinating to watch because, uh, you know, I, I listen to people who are who get it and think that he takes votes away from Trump and others mm-hmm. who t- say he takes away votes from Biden. I know Michael Knowles has said that he would probably take more votes away from Biden because you have the old school boomer Democrats who are uh, want that fondness for the old Kennedy Democrat Party. Like I'm a union guy. We cared. Uh-huh. We had our pennant that said Kennedy for president 60. But I don't think that party is it's not the same party. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think what he, RFK Jr. does is he peels away votes from independent voters who may have leaned towards Trump by saying, like, uh, look, Joe Biden is a corrupt career politician, everything, at least with Trump, you know, gas prices were two bucks or whatever. But this <laughs> RFK, he says a couple of things that I like in my favor. The thing is, mm-hmm. what I've been saying is if you're somebody who would it would support RFK, but if it wasn't for him, it would be Trump. RFK is a 90s liberal is what he is. He's no you're not conserving anything with with RFK. He's an environmentalist. He's everything. like. I mean, he's a 1994 Democrat. It's just he didn't change. His party changed. And he's just still right here. So that's why he almost looks conservative compared to the rest of the party. But Mm -hmm. make no mistake, he's still a liberal. Yeah, for sure. I can't remember who I was watching the other day. Um, Someone smarter than me. It might have been like. I never thought I would say this. Russell Brand um, <laughs> was talking about how the the you know they've moved um, you know on the spectrum of the left so far over that someone like RFK Jr. seems like a moderate. Yeah, so I, I mean, feel like he hasn't moved. They've just moved what is considered leftism, normal leftism, like so far, you know, over. Um, and you know, and then they kind of have done the same. On the other side, where someone like Trump uh, is now a, a right-wing radical conservative, they've mm-hmm. like overdefined it on 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 both sides. Um, but you know, I I find it hard to believe the people that would give Trump a chance that maybe would go RFK Jr. Um, at some point, the polling numbers are going to be like, wait, this is too important. You know, come November, you know, six or whatever day it is uh, to to go into the voting booth and I don't want to say waste your vote, but if they're, you know, already sort of willing to vote for Trump, I think would not want to, you know, vote in that direction. No, that's what I, that's what I did with uh, Ron Paul in 2012. I looked at this, I looked at the, I, I actually looked at the ballot because I thought Mitt Romney had a decent response after Benghazi in 2012, mm-hmm. but then I'm just like, Mitt, Mitt Romney, really? <laughs> Am I going to, no, I'm not going to do this. And I looked down the ballot and I see independent Ron Paul, Yep, I'm gonna. I, I don't care. I know this. I know this election's not going to go the way I want it to. And that election, mm-hmm. if you think about it, and, and I know you've probably documented this on your Substack or any of your writings. <laughs> if you think about what's happened since then, it's a way different country. I mean, Barack Obama ran, and he still didn't believe in same-sex unions and everything. Mm-hmm. And same with Hillary Clinton in 2008. Yet, a couple of years later, you have Occupy Wall Street, which I think changed politics forever. That mm-hmm. you now finally had these corporate, you know, uh, Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan uh, loving CEOs 
had to start getting the millennials with the purple hair and the nose rings and the facial tattoos to be working HR. And they're Mm -hmm. like, oh, we're kind of getting held hostage. Then you had the 2012 election. Then you had in 2013, if I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon. Then you had Michael Mm -hmm. Brown. Then you had the BLM movement rise. Then you had the LGBT stuff by 2015 in Obergefell. And ever since then, that election and right around that time, that 2011, 2012, Ever since then, it just seems to kind of uh, has has gone completely wacko, completely SJW, why you had to write a book about it because of all this wackiness the last decade. And I think it was Jack Posobiec. I don't know if he said it or he retweeted somebody. And it was a great point. He said a lot of this wokeness began in around 2009, 2010 on Tumblr with the show Glee. Because there have been shows where you've had gay characters and, you know, you go all the way to soap with Billy Crystal back in the 70s. There have been gay characters. There have been special episodes that we watched after after school specials in the 80s and everything. But Glee was that show where it seemed like not only am I a not, I'm not saying me, but not only am I a fan of Glee. I identify with Glee. It is my show. I've embraced Glee. And if anybody doesn't like Glee, you're a homophobe, you hate gays, you hate this and this. And ever since then, it just seems that we've now done that with these massive pop culture figures. The If you riff on Beyonce, get ready, mm-hmm. you know, batten down the hatches, Taylor Swift, any of these. And ever since Lizzo. then, it seems like Lizzo's a huge one too. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry, no pun intended. Um, I think it was intended. Well, it it could be, (laughs) but but ever since then, it just seems that the whole, this whole SJW thing has just gone completely wacky and you can't have sensible conversations. That's why you need a book like the social justice warrior handbook. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, the other thing I think is that if you are a social justice warrior, I think to some point, even when I wrote the book, I mean, I think it had already started. Maybe I just didn't write it with this intention. Um, If you were a social justice warrior, your job was being an activist. And something the left has always been way, way smarter at is you do your job, what you go to school for, marketing, business, uh, other jobs. (laughs) And you make your activism part of your job. And so this is how they've basically taken over corporation. This is how you get Dylan Mulvaney, um, you know, as the spokesperson for Bud Light without anybody on a board seeming to notice it. Um, Teachers, school, you know, every like board elections, all that kind of stuff. Activism is not their job. Um, It's what they use their job for. They play the long game. Conservatives have always you know, had the laissez-faire, like, oh, I don't bring that stuff to work um, and go and do the type of job that they, you know, want to do. And we end up wondering why we're always behind, why we're behind in schools and um, Hollywood and, you know, other major institutions, things that are, you know, as Andrew Breitbart said, you know, politics is downstream from culture. And I talk about pop culture a lot, but culture really is all those other things. It's anything that's not happening in DC. And we've, you know, let the left take over it and think that we can bury our heads in the sand um, rather than do the same thing. And I get it. Like, it's hard because you do risk, uh, you're going to be, you know, in the minority uh, wherever you go, whether it's, you know, arguing arguing on on a college campus or, 
um, you know, arguing about the values of of Glee. And I think because they, you know, like the Glee fans have made it so much a part of their personality, um, you know, they don't know how to argue ideas anymore. Um, because you're not saying whether or not Glee is a good show. You're saying, I don't like you, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And we're, you know, it, it's November. And I, I just have a couple more things and I'll, I'll let you go. Go on with your day <laughs> and get ready for birthday week here. Well, yeah, I mean, it's um, like, what, three o'clock? It's almost dark. Yeah, well, yeah, it is dark actually right <laughs> behind me. There? You're pro probably watching. Uh, um, the so it is Thanksgiving coming up in a couple of weeks, and mm. I I don't understand this new thing. Well, it seems like it's a new thing where uh, all these these online progressives are like, well, I got I'm either skipping Thanksgiving this year because my racist uncle's a Donald Trump fan, mm. and we get into it every year. I'm like. Why are you getting into it in the first place? It's Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. I thought we all sit at the table and we all eat and we, hey, how's, how's work going? Hey, I saw you did this. That's really cool. And, you know, you kind of put aside your differences. You put aside any political or social, oh, however you feel about marijuana or abortion mm -hmm. or anything. And you sit around going, this is family. We all got together and this is great. Instead, uh, a couple of years ago, I remember there was a, this whole uh, laundry list of things to bring up that if you're again, if your racist father or uncle says something that you have a snapback uh, right, mm -hmm. right like for what? Well, we don't we call it Indigenous Peoples Day and Christopher Columbus and blah, blah, blah. And then you go, OK, that you ruin the meal. So mm -hmm. what tips, what advice can you give us for mm -hmm. those of us who may have this progressive relative and i'm not saying i do but if anybody who's out there has that progressive relative who wants to sit at the table and start <laughs> debating politics uh what can you tell us what advice can we use to uh uh to clap back as the zoomers would say to clap back um well i <laughs> no mean cap. I, yeah i mean i think i mentioned in the book that um you know spoiler you know mind your manners because no one you're the one that they don't want there Right. Um, so as far as like, you know, clapping back for Thanksgiving, um, I think one of the, the ways to do it is to. Rather than normalize them. Uh, do the opposite and just kind of like. We're here with our family, we're here with grandma who, you know, who knows how many years she has on this earth. Why? Why are you hurting grandma's feelings? Why do you want to talk about this? Um, like, what's wrong with you? Or, you know, the whole purpose of SJW Handbook is to laugh at them um, because they're the ones that, you know, aren't normal. And, you know, I think that conservatives tend to do that too much to normalize, like, you know, starting from the beginning, like the pro-Hamas group. Like, this is not a normal segment of society, even if I'd love to say, you know, it's normal segment of, of Democrats. Democrats need to do more to, you know, get get their people in line since that's normally what they do but stop normalizing like these weirdos treat them like weirdos at thanksgiving and just be like what are you even talking about no one wants to talk about that you know i can't even uh, <laughs> now luckily we we're a little more like-minded in my family that uh but it doesn't really get brought up mm -hmm. uh it, it again it's usually my, you know, somebody makes a fart joke at the table mm -hmm. or something. Like, it's like, it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. And uh, now again, I don't have like a whole, like there, there's not the blue haired cousin or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they start getting into an argument at the table. It's like, we all know in my family to just put our differences aside, if we have any, 
mm-hmm. uh, and not bring them up at the table. It's not appropriate. At what point did we decide in the last decade that it is appropriate to, I, I thought it was the whole thing. You don't talk politics or religion at the table. And instead it's like, here's my religion. My religion is science <laughs> and you don't believe in science. So therefore you're attacking my religion. I'm like, uh, pass the stuffing. No, 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 yeah. no, no, the one that was in the bird, please. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it should. Yeah, be. I mean that's what the debates are usually about, like cornbread stuffing, regular stuffing in the bird, outside of the bird. Um, is macaroni and cheese a Thanksgiving side? It, exactly. Is uh, you know, <laughs> and you go in for for sandwiches, and is this a sandwich? Is that a sandwich? That's the biggest mm-hmm. argument of my Thanksgiving. Is or best, the hot best dog Thanksgiving is leftovers? Is it like all the recipes you see on Food Network made with the leftovers, or is it just having Thanksgiving dinner again? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's and what time do you eat? So like uh, I'm the, the argument I have with my wife is that she wants to have dinner at like two or three and my family is usually about five or six. So mm-hmm. we're, we're, what do we do? Well, if you eat it early, then you could take a nap. But I don't want a nap. I want to drink <laughs> and have a good time and watch football in the shape of a can or fresh cranberry. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, See, those are arguments. I'm not against arguing by any means, especially in my family. But we need to have the normal arguments, not, you know, uh, how many genders are there? Uh, what what kind of suffering did this tur- turkey and you know go through? Was it on indigenous land? Did we acknowledge the indigenous land that we're on before this meal? Um, <laughs> exactly. Have we uh, have we burned uh, like uh, indigenous ropes in a ceremony outside next to the uh, deep fried turkey? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, one thing that I remember, if you're a Rush fan, um, Rush used to always talk about uh, the Thanksgiving story on Thanksgiving and the whole purpose of Thanksgiving, it it wasn't, uh, it was every, like all of these people from uni- unique backgrounds coming together, uh, you know, to celebrate a harvest. And I think if anything, um, you know, the reason that we, a lot of people won't be celebrating Thanksgiving this year is because it's too damn expensive. Um, yeah. And that's the one thing I think maybe, you know, we could, you know, all agree on. <laughs> Well, uh, well, the last thing I want to say, speaking of food and everything, is uh, you look fantastic, by the way. Oh, thank you. Uh, you've kept the, the like, I, I know you lost, what, over 100 pounds, right? Uh, it's uh, closing in maybe in the next week, on t- week or two on losing 150 pounds. Holy mackerel, 150. And mm-hmm. you were able to do that because I, I remember you worked, you started this journey before COVID. And mm-hmm. then, of course, what happens during COVID is, uh, hey, uh, we're going to keep the liquor stores and the grocery stores and the fast food places open, but you can't go to the gym, you can't go to church, you can't go to mm-hmm. NA or AA uh, meetings or anything like that. Yet, you're one of the few success stories I've seen <laughs> of people that are like, no, I'm going to keep this off and I'm going to continue it. Everybody else just like, yeah, you know what? Uh, should I go to Cool Ranch or the Taco Doritos? <laughs> what sounds better? You also can't talk about o- obesity being a comorbidity in uh, COVID deaths. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a journey, as they say. Um, it's also, you know, I think I have a unique perspective, like we were talking about Lizzo, um, you know, in that, you know, I, I do feel bad uh, in the way that sometimes people on the right talk about, you know, other people. Um, when it comes to that sort of thing, because I think that we have to uh, be factual and then also be, you know, supportive. I mean, I got hate the other day from someone on Twitter because uh, it was something about Fetterman. And to me, I, I have to say to even make a joke about somebody's body shows like how far I've come. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it was like a picture of Fetterman and, you know, his little chicken legs. And I said, someone shouldn't, you know, if you're going to wear shorts, don't skip leg day. And someone was like, 
you know, maybe you should take your own advice and tweeted all these photos um, of what I look like, you know, a couple years ago. And, you know, at first I was just like hurt, but then I was like thinking about this guy who took the time out of his day and like, you know, searched for all these photos, cropped them out. They all look really nice, you know, together. And it's like, who is this loser? But, you know, I would say some advice for conservatives. Um, and I don't mean like random trolls, like, Feel free to make fun of their appearance. They will of you. Um, but you know, when you see the see the people talking about healthy at any size and all of that, um, you know, I think it's good to be factual about you know science and the risks and that sort of thing, but also be supportive. Um, and the best way to do that is to you know support someone like me that did it and buy my books. And, and yes, exactly. And it, it, like you did, you <laughs> didn't long way do to get there. <laughs> you you didn't do so by like this wasn't gastro. This was all you, right? Uh, no, I had uh, gastric bypass um, in 2018, and you know, it's like the thing is, is like I know it's cliche to talk about you know things being tools, but you know, I will say that Chris Christie and I had the same surgery. And uh, it's, you know, whatever you do with it. And at a certain point you reach a plateau and that's when, you know, I would do something like add in a personal trainer that I have, you know, twice a week um, because it's always going to be something. Um, and especially now as I'm like getting older and I'm, you know, middle-aged um, as a woman, there's always going to be an easy way out um, and, and a harder way to, you know, keep having success. So um you know, I, part of that is things that I tell myself that, you know, I didn't take an easy way out, but obviously I did have a leg up and I think, uh, people shouldn't be ashamed to, you know, investigate those types of things if they think it can help them because, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, you know, it could save their life. Really can. And if, which I love when you mentioned about Lizzo is when you see all these, uh, uh, like Adele and uh, Lisa Lampanelli and all these, like, mm -hmm. especially women who lose a lot of weight. And then their fans are like, well, I liked you better when you were fat. <laughs> and all of them are like, uh, I should have done this years ago. And so it's like, okay, so you lost a couple of body positive fans, but mm -hmm. I, I, let's see, what would you rather have? Rabid body positive fans or, uh, I don't know, being able to live and see your feet. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's a, it's a good balance right there, but uh, yeah. <laughs> congratulations on that. And I'm, I'm glad you're able to keep it. Do you, do you have any vices? Do you still like, or is there something you see and you're like, nope, 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 not going to do that. I'm yeah. I mean, watching. I try not to like have it in the house or cause it's kind of like, have you seen that extra toasty Cheez-Its? Yes. I've seen those. Yes. Yeah. If like an open extra toasty Cheez-Its is an empty extra toasty Cheez-Its. I mean, obviously <laughs> with my surgery, I can't, you know, physically eat an entire box, but you know, it'd be, it's amazing if you have healthy food in your house, you generally just eat healthy food. Um, as far as, uh, hmm. Yeah. I'm like a salty girl. Like. You my, like savory. Yeah. My, my deathbed food would probably be homemade Chex Mix. <laughs> so yeah, guess what? Good. I don't make homemade Chex Mix. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that does sound good. Especially right around this time when everyone wants to put it, it's like, well, I have Chex Mix, but I also have powdered sugar and a little drizzle of chocolate and M&Ms. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, so you just made candy is what you yeah. did. <laughs> well, and also, um, I think the other thing is it helps to surround yourself with people with similar goals, right? So my boyfriend uh, is also very healthy. Um, you know, he's one of those weirdos that like, he can have like a box of cookies in the house and will eventually have to throw them away because they're stale, like not because he doesn't eat it late at night. Um 
weird, total weirdo. Um, you know, he works out and all that kind of stuff. I mean, a def and not just, you know, a partner, but it's something that I think people should look for in a partner, um, you know, and in friends and, you know, people with similar goals, whether it's health, financial, career, that sort of thing. Um, you know, there's some book, I think it was like, you're the sum of like the, the three or five people you surround yourself with. Um, and I think that's true virtually and, uh, you know, in, in real life, whether, you know, it's someone that you follow. And I think that's probably where some of the heartache comes from Adele and Lizzo fans, um, is this was someone that was kind of like validating their choice in their life. And then um, it's not like, oh, why'd you sell us out? It's more of like, why am I having this feeling that I'm not doing the right thing? Yeah, well... Uh, see, I have the I have the opposite problem of your boyfriend is that I, I'm kind of an enabler. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, for a long time, I had a very good metabolism where I could go out and eat White Castle burgers and drink mm -hmm. a six pack of beer. And I'm like, I lost weight today. What's going on? It's not, it's not so much anymore. I just, I just remember playing softball last, it was about a year ago. And uh, my brother and I, my brother's three and a half years younger than me. And one of our teammates is pointing to like this 20 year old, like former Amish kid who's on our team. And he goes, you see those two mazers over there? And the guy is like, yeah, he's like, they're bad influences. Don't listen to them. Hmm. If they tell you to drink something, don't drink it. If they tell you to eat something, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. So, but it, it, that's the problem is that we're in, in that time of year where I would love to do dry January or sober mm -hmm. October, but then it's just like, there's football, there's birthdays, there's Halloween, there's Thanksgiving right mm -hmm. after it's Christmas and New Year's. January will come around and I'll end up cutting back like I did last year, lost about mm -hmm. 15 pounds or so it's just it's that social atmosphere but it's it's the company you keep but yeah i mean guys the worst because it'll be like oh my god how do you lose 20 pounds it's like i just stopped drinking soda um that's my problem but, you know you could always instead of writing off all of thanksgiving to christmas to new year's you save it for the holidays <laughs> yeah that's true and then you just get it out of the way and uh, yeah my problem is it's not so much the food it's the booze and it's like mm -hmm. uh, it, and it, it's not that i have an issue it's yeah i'm just <laughs> around people that will drink a couple of beers and i don't like the light beers because i'm just gonna have to urinate every five minutes <laughs> uh, i like the heavy the 10 percent, the christmas flavored beers and mm -hmm. the problem is i'm like oh but on a couple of more because uh, I decided I want to have a six pack last night. So but I'm not, I don't drink during the week or anything like that. You can quit whenever you want. I got it. But but kudos <laughs> to you for, for keeping it off, especially around this time of year. And if you want to enable Lisa a little bit more, please go subscribe to her on Substack, buy her books, follow mm -hmm. her on Twitter here at uh, Lisa D E P. Uh, she just followed me to, I, I thought I was following you for years. Like I kept seeing either you were just popping up or I followed you. I may have unfollowed you years ago by accident and by uh, accident. That's what they all say. I'm, well, I mean, well, well Twitter, the old Roth days of Twitter were a little strange. It was the, mm -hmm. it was the wild west of shadow banning and unfriending. Yeah. And I, I get people like, uh, like I would see, I'm like, do I got blocked by this person? I know you personally. And they're like, I didn't block you. What happened? Well, I probably just muted you twice and it blocks me automatically. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But mm -hmm. uh, yes, please go enable Lisa <laughs> by uh, 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 subscribing to her uh, Substack, buying her books, go to YouTube and go check out uh, the podcast, Pop Culture Warriors. Anything else? Any other plugs other than uh, the books? Here's some of the other books over on Amazon if you're watching on the uh, YouTube and Rumble pages, some of the other books that uh, you can mm -hmm. purchase from her. 
Oh, yeah, speaking of uh, like there not being any rom-coms, uh, I, you know, I don't just walk the walk. I said, well, I'm going to write a, a rom-com uh, with a conservative bent. <laughs> so that's what I did. And, you know, no one bought it. But um, that's not true. It looks like. Starring, starring Lacey Chaubert. She goes back to her hometown <laughs> and runs into her uh, Donald Trump supporting father, played by Alan Alda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only on Hallmark. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, that's great. If you want the real story behind CPAC, Finding Mr. Righteous, that was when I ran CPAC for many years. Um, I remember that. That's why you, you were the one who introduced Trump on stage, right? Yes. And then I was fired for it. <laughs> for one, of the, one of many reasons, not with anybody involved with CPAC today, but, uh, you know, turning CPAC into a circus by having uh, someone like Donald Trump uh, speak. Were, were you there, the, uh, the, the classic Rush Limbaugh one? I, I introduced Rush Limbaugh. That's the benefit of being the director. It's be like, who gets to introduce the biggest speaker? Oh, I think I will do it. <laughs> that, that Rush Limbaugh speech, I remember watching that, and I was just, my hair was standing up. I was so excited. It was 2009. It was right when Obama uh, became president, and uh, he's there at CPAC. And, uh, like, I'll still watch that speech. It's right up there with the Pat Buchanan Culture War speech from 1992. And I'm like, I'll go back and watch those, and it's it, – it, there's my there's my hour or like what was it like two hours that Rush was on stage it was fantastic. So yeah, it was, uh, I mean, was it was great a stuff. great speech. Um, one thing about that speech is it it's kind of like if you want to know what conservatives should do, um, it's whatever the opposite. It's like George Costanza, do the opposite of your instinct. And that CPAC, everybody was expecting a somber occasion, a very negative speech, and he went up there with like optimism, and you know it like raise the roof. That makes me sound so old. Um, also, back on the, the weight loss, um, that's when both Rush and I kind of both saw ourselves on stage and he lost like 80, 80 pounds from that too. Um, and I wrote an article uh, right after he died called My Last Letter to Rush Limbaugh and kind of talked, because uh, Rush and I, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm friends with him or anything, but we actually have communicated um, you know, he, I never talked about it until after he died, but he paid for me to go to fat camp for a week. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Back in my, in my twenties, um, when I, you know, had talked to, uh, his wife at the time of, about some of that stuff. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, I was a rush baby for sure. Um, and, uh, oh, is that there, you right yeah. there? Yeah, that's me right there. <laughs> I'm the other big, big person in all black. It's very slimming. <laughs> That's incredible. I mean, this is seriously is one of the greatest speeches. And you were right. You you not only were there, you were helped organize. This is a, it's amazing. Oh, my goodness gracious. I, I, I'm i going to go watch it. I'm going to download this. I'm going to bring it to work tomorrow. I'm just going to watch this again, because a lot of what he says here is still relevant, just like the Pat Buchanan culture war speech. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's certain things that like you you replace a couple of references, but that those are some of those things over time. Like it's like watching a golden girls episode. If you can get away from them mentioning Gorbachev or, uh, you know, John Sununu, I think mm -hmm. you can uh, just replace them with today's and it still is uh, pretty uh, contemporary. Mm -hmm. But uh, Lisa, thank you so much for, for being on here on the podcast. Can't wait to put this out this week and it's very timely, but I could also probably go back years, years from now and listen to this. And it's still as timely, just as the CPAC Rush Limbaugh speech and <laughs> Pappy Cannon and everything. But again, Lisa, thank you so much for being there. Please go support her, support writers, support 
online people, especially extremely online people like myself here in this mm-hmm. Check Your Brain podcast. Lisa, again, thank thank you so much. And again, happy birthday. Thank you. All right. And this has been the Check Your Brain podcast. My name is Tony Mazur. If you want more podcasts where I even do solo episodes where I just rant and rave about all the other nonsense that's happening, kind of what has been mentioned in this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Tony Mazur for just three bucks a month. You get all that plus video and early access to guests like Lisa. So go there if you want more. I'm also on Rumble. I'm going to put stuff on Odyssey. I kind of got to spread myself around to get my name out there a little bit, get away from being old radio Tony to Tony does a podcast and is trying to be a regular, regular Renaissance man nowadays. So thank you again, everybody for checking out the show. And uh, I'll be back with you with another free episode of the check your brain podcast coming up next week, wherever you are watching or listening to this podcast. Bye everybody.